Happy late Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Lab podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We do have a special guest, and we're going to talk short-term rentals, traveling, long-term rentals, investing, all that. So it's a really exciting podcast. Don't forget that we're on uh, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and every other podcast platform out there. I want to take just a second to apologize if things were com- like starting off weird. I was having some slight connection issues, so sorry about that. Let's go around the room and introduce ourselves. I go by Ian of Austin everywhere on the internet. Who do we have below me? JJ Tolentino, realtor with the Next Level Property Group. Excited to talk about today's topic because in the new landscape of investing, real estate investing, you have what Ian was talking about, short-term, medium-term, long-term, and I'll pass it on to... Hello and happy Friday. Ian, never apologize for playing that intro twice. It's too good. I could watch it all day. So remix. I am Liberty Walker, local Austin, Texas realtor serving the greater Austin area. And I am so pumped to have you here today, Sarah, to listen to your experiences and to get some of your, a little bit of free coaching from you on investment properties. So before we jump, before I, before I say, uh, before Sarah introduced herself, I just want to be the MC and say, this woman, you have no idea how incredible she is and how lucky we are to have her on the podcast. So ask all the questions you have because we only have like 22 minutes or 28 minutes left. So please ask Sarah, introduce yourself. Thank you guys. You're too kind. Well, thank you so much. It is so fun to be with you virtually in Austin, where I started my real estate journey. I am a real estate investor and coach. I have been working remotely for the last seven years, investing long distance. I just bought something this summer, sight unseen from 8,000 miles away. And so we can dive into all the different investing strategies But the one takeaway I want people to have is that you should live where you want and invest where the numbers make sense. I think that's huge. I think um, the fact that, so you said something earlier before the stream started about being nomadic while investing. Can you just share a little bit about like what your portfolio looks like and what nomadic means to people? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I started working remotely back in 2015 And so this was way before it became pretty universally known with a lot of different jobs because of COVID. Um, I used to call it location independent, which means I worked for a company. They didn't care where I was as long as I had internet connection. Now I call it a digital nomad and I've been fully nomadic. So I can hop around, I can buy a plane ticket to Indonesia or I spend the summers in Portugal. I moved down to Argentina, you name it. I've probably thought about visiting there if not actually visited. And it's been quite the journey. Uh, How many properties do you have in your portfolio right now? So this summer, that was extra fun. I went from three units to 15 units in 75 days. And no, I didn't do it with a 12 unit. I bought four additional properties for a total of six. And they're in Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. So for the people that didn't, quite hear that. I didn't see any comments start strolling in. Woo-wee. 75 days. She went, she tripled her amount of properties that she has in her investment portfolio. And so uh, obviously we want to dig into that. JJ or or Liberty, do you have any questions? Or you I shout do. Out I have so many questions for you, Sarah. One that is just like burning in my mind is how do you acquire these properties and how do you find the realtors that you work with in these different cities where you don't have 
people that might be referring you to them. Yeah, absolutely. So investor-friendly agents are the backbone of my portfolio. I wouldn't be where I am without networking with great agents like you guys who understand investing. They invest themselves and they're the ones that find the properties for me no matter where I am in the world. And you have enough trust in them. You're just like, okay, let's do it. Or is there a secret way that you yourself will vet a property? Oh, real estate investing is like dating. It's trust, but verify. <laughs> always trust but yes, verify definitely, <laughs> definitely okay. do a google search on that right yeah super short question do you have uh criteria like top two tips when you're um searching for a realtor to help you find this find your properties yeah absolutely are they finding off-market deals and can they facilitate a long distance purchase long distance relationship got it okay uh <laughs> Next question is, uh, are you, are you like focusing on cash flow? Like what are you, some of your rules for investing? Yeah, I am looking for a value add multifamily. So something that I can put a little bit of work into to increase the value or create equity and then cash flow. It's all about the cash flow, baby. Mm -hmm. Well, as you know, Austin is a pretty crazy market at this point in time. And yeah. a lot of the people that are looking to purchase here, they can't really get that rent, the rents haven't caught up quite to what those sales prices are. So would you still consider purchasing a property in a situation like that where you might be a little bit upside down and not cash flowing immediately? So me personally, no. I If I lived in Austin, I would house hack a new construction and I would be buying cash flowing rentals in the Midwest. And when we you just... say house hacking, can we break it down for some people that might be listening that might not know exactly what that is? Yeah, absolutely. House hacking is a really great strategy where you're getting a portion, if not all of your mortgage covered from rental income. So the reason I say new construction in Austin is because you, I mean, heck, if you get in and during phase one, you have built in equity before you even close. And so if you're house hacking a new construction, then you're going to have those good old roommates, nothing like being in your thirties with roommates. But if you're having your mortgage completely covered, I truly believe in delayed gratification. So I would gladly live somewhere for a year, um, especially somewhere super fun like Austin and in a brand new, new construction home. I probably wouldn't even take the master. I'd rent that out for more. Um, and and I think yeah. house hacking is, it can be done a number of different ways, but that's the way I see it best in Austin. In other markets, you could buy a duplex and live in one side and rent out the other. You could do it with a fourplex. You could even do it with a single family and have an accessory dwelling unit if you're on the East Coast um, or even the West Coast. You're seeing a lot more of that. Let me ask you about locations. And I, what's up to Zaldi out there? He, said, he wrote cream. Cash rules everything around me. Curious. <laughs> That's good. You have Austin. Why, why the Midwest? Was there something about the cream over there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it really was led by a few different metrics. So mm -hmm. population growth, wage growth, income growth low crime, sick cash flow, home prices are increasing. And then I have a great on the ground team. And so I was getting deals every single day in these markets. And you, you lived in Austin for a substantial amount of time, but you decided, you know what, I'm going to reach outside and not keep myself. What is it like uh, blinded blinders with blinders on? Mm -hmm. And you just branched out and looked at these other markets because it just made more sense. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, at the time when I started investing, I wasn't making a lot of money. I wasn't, I was making, I think my salary when I first bought a property was like $42,000. Mm -hmm. And so it just didn't make sense to buy in an expensive market where I was barely cash flowing because I knew I wanted that cash flow yeah. to then help me purchase the next property. And so I get that question a lot. Like, how did you keep buying? Mm -hmm. Well, lenders will allow you to consider 75% of your rental income as income. Mm -hmm. And you can just keep stacking. It's like dominoes. That's amazing. That's that is good. such a great tip. Let me ask you this, Sarah. So I know that you were a realtor for a hot minute, right? Yeah. Are there any disadvantages from being a realtor and an investor going out there? Are there any kind of legal things that we're permitting you from doing both or acquiring your own properties? Yeah. So that's a great question. Well, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I just play one on TV. And so please consult with your broker before you do any type of real estate transactions. But frankly, I get asked this question a lot. Like, should I get licensed if I'm an investor? I don't think being licensed necessarily helps you invest in real estate. Right. Yeah, I know. Cause I know a lot of realtors that may not even know off-market properties and stuff like that. So just by getting your license isn't going to help you find those off-market places. Yeah. So let me touch on that particular part. There are a lot of invest investors out there, especially beginner investors that think, well, I'll save a commission because I have my own license and they can tell me about the deals or I'll offer less. And that's just not how it works. It sounds like you've got a lot of little birds that are out there that are doing the work for you. Which is exactly what my point is. So like I'm buying, I bought, I've bought in four states. I'm not going to go get licensed in four states. Also, one of the reasons that I do what I do is because these agents are finding such great off-market deals. They're yeah. so much better than me at finding deals. So I spend about zero hours a week looking for deals. I, I get them texted or emailed to me every single day. And so they're so much better. Why would I go get licensed in that state? And frankly, I'm not as good at finding off-market properties as mm -hmm. Chase and Chris. They're better at it. That's so good. So do you, uh, do you self-manage your properties once you have them in your portfolio? Yeah, it's funny. I don't have kids, but I'm sure when I'm a parent, it's like you do as I say, not as I do. And yeah. so I self-manage and I don't recommend it. And you know what? I missed it. Sorry. And I don't recommend, don't recommend it. it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so do you go to these places? Do you ever visit some of these properties? Like if you have an issue, do you ever fly out there and say, I'm just going to knock out all these property problems. Now you have a crew. Do you build relationships like that? I have seen all of my properties. So I have been to all of them at least once. Um, but no, if there's an issue, I'm not flying out there. You guys, these are not destinations that I'm stoked. I mean, I like, I love Iowans, but I'm not flying to Des Moines, Iowa for fun. That's just not my jam. I heard uh, Boise was blowing up. It's really funny. Uh, I was I just know. looking online and I know that's not Iowa. That's Idaho. I'm just saying I looked up the properties <laughs> and their prices are the same. Median prices are the same as freaking Austin. I was like, what is happening in the middle? Really? Idaho. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah that's Boise's, a really good point, Boise's Ian. Like, I mean, rents here in Austin, I mean, they're high, but they haven't quite caught up to the sales prices. And in some of these other cities, you can really see that rents are like reflecting what those sales prices are. It's so it's like a no brainer. And that makes me think, why, why did all those Californians buy up our Austin? Were they thinking about that? Who was advising them? Well, they just had a lot of equity. They had to put their money somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had like a lot of equity. So actually, I think it's also the tech 
hub job, yeah, right? Like yeah. there, there's just a lot of that. Sounds cool to SF and Seattle people. <laughs> so, okay. That actually brings me to another question. I've had this question come up multiple times from clients. I have, let's say it's a million dollars, right? To spend. Do I buy one really nice house in Austin and let it appreciate? Or do I buy something at 400 or 500,000 and then start working with someone like you to build out my portfolio? My question would be, well, what are your goals? I love that. That's a good answer. It's a good answer. Because maybe cash flow and owning real estate isn't your goal. Maybe mm -hmm. you want to own a property outright and that's your investing mm -hmm. strategy. And then you're going to put the rest of your money in the stock market. Real mm -hmm. estate investing is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. I have a question have about the... Have, have you ever had to offload a property because it wasn't working out? I have not, but I have helped clients do exactly that because they, they, they got impatient and they bought a bad deal or they bought a deal where it was hard to find tenants. And I, that's the one mistake that I'm seeing investors do because you said it yourself, Liberty, like the, the market is crazy. So people are just buying things because they're getting impatient. And so thankfully all of my properties are little like cash flow cows. I actually get calls all the time. Do you, do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? I'm always like, Hey, write me an offer. I'll always look at an offer. But no, I'm probably not going to sell. They're they're all cash flowing amazingly. Mm -hmm. Would you say there's like a a trap that these investors initially thought? Like, what was it that they got pulled into and realized? Oh man, I got to offload this. What's the exit strategy? Did they miscalculate something? Did they speculate too much? I've I've kind of seen it all. I've seen people want a property to work too badly. It's like mm. you, you can want it to cash flow, or you can want there to be appreciation or you want the neighborhood to improve, but that's not how the world works. Yeah. And there are some places, even though we have a housing demand for rental properties, even for leases, we're seeing multiple offers on leases and leases going above asking, but mm -hmm. there are still some that are lingering. And so you really have to run those traps to see if it is going to be a place that someone will want to live. Cause of course people who are renting are going to have maybe lower uh, a lower bar than people that are purchasing. They still don't want to live in a, an icky spot. Well, I think that's what's so interesting is actually, I think renters have such high standards these days that when you go to sell like a first time home to a renter, they're used to quartz countertops and like really nice updated kitchens. And mm -hmm. granted, they lived in an apartment complex so they can hear their neighbors through their paper thin walls, but they had really nice stuff. And then you're like, oh, you want your PITI to be under three grand? Uh, this is what you can buy. And they're like, oh, that's not what I expected. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's a rude awakening. So how many, uh, how many countries did you say you've been to? 44. You've been to 44. How, when did you start traveling in your investing journey? Because that's what you do, right? Like you, you're nomadic. You, you move around and you still are investing in all these properties. When did that start? Yeah. So I bought my first property in 2017 and I took the entire upstairs down to the studs, rebuilt it. It was a three, one and a half. It's now a four, two. I filled it with roommates who I called tenants. Mm -hmm. It's like it, when I furnished the house, I was like, oh yeah, I'm staging it. And my friends are like, no, you're, you live there, Sarah. Like that's called furnishing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and within, within three months of doing that, I was abroad. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So and the cool. cash flow, like it funds your traveling. 
At that first one wasn't funding my traveling, but it was it was paying for my accommodation. Like I had I had an I was cash flowing and and I still had a room there. Yeah. And then when I moved out and didn't keep my room, then I was cash flowing almost like seven hundred bucks. Boom. I've got a really important question. Not everyone who watches this channel is uh, single and ready to mingle or whatever, right? Like just ready to get out and move around and all that, right? So let's say that someone has a family of two and they have, um, I'll, I'll call it a modest or a median price point budget. How would you recommend that they get started investing similar to you? Um, inve invest with what your goals are. So I think people have to figure out is cash flow my goal? Is doing something really hands on, like an out of state burr to build equity even faster and ideally recycle funds? Or do I have a really high demanding job, three kids, and my spouse has a demanding job? Then buy something really simple, buy a little duplex that has long term tenants and use property managers. Can you define Burr for people that may not know? Yeah. So the Burr strategy is where you buy a property, ideally super undervalue that needs a lot of work. You renovate it. Then you fill it with tenants like it's going to be a long-term rental. And then the bank will reassess the house at the new value, which should be ideally a lot higher. And then in a, in a perfect world, you're actually able to pull all of your money back out, what you use to purchase the property and renovate the property. You have a new nice little mortgage ideally an updated property and it's a long-term rental. Okay. I, I wanted to chat about this. So three to 15 units in 75 days. Yeah. And we talked about Burr, the repeat, the R prior to the repeats, the refinance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was there refinancing going on? I know this is a little advanced, but once, once you have some equity, you can start playing the, the yeah. R, the so R game. I, I actually have never done a refinance. I was going to ask that. I was like, you can't move that quickly. You can't be that volatile and go through refinancing. No, I actually, I am in the middle of my first refinance right now. Mm -hmm. And I actually, my appraisal report is due today. I keep refreshing my email. It hasn't Good come yet. Luck. Let's be honest. It's not going to come like yeah. the appraisal report. I'll, I'll see it next week. Um, but yeah, that's my first burr. And so how I finance my properties, I'm going to do this really quickly. Right. I did owner occupied conventional loan for my first one. Gotcha. Then I moved out, replaced myself. That's a long-term rental. Did it again uh -huh. with a duplex. Uh -huh. I, I did a conventional loan owner occupied. Then my third one, uh -huh. I house hacked a fourplex. I nice. used my first FHA, which is three and a half percent. Boom. Okay. And then I bought two duplexes next door to each other. So that's four units. And that's my first burr. So I'm burring all four units. And I did hard money loan. Okay. And it needed first loan for people that might not know. And I needed eighty per eighty thousand dollars down. And you guys, I had just bought a property like mm -hmm. eight eight days prior to this. Mm -hmm. And I so I did two. I did three things I had never done before. I was starting my first out of state burr using hard money, and I used private money from a private lender mm. for the down payment. So with the hard money and or the private lender, can you share what your interest rate was for that? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's 9%. Yeah. Oh, I was going to think 13%. Yeah. They oh, can get pretty crazy out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're a seasons investor, you can negotiate. 
Um, and uh, my private lender, uh, I'm not telling you guys what I get for that rate. Let's no, just, that's okay. That's really okay. good. And if you want to lend me money, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Do we get um, the finance, the, the, your lender networks? Like how did, is, is that just as like the realtor groups were like, this is the financiers or how are they in state? Are they local? So those are all out of state as well. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, networking is absolutely crucial to building a really good portfolio. So your part of your team should be your investor friendly agent, property managers, contractors, but also you need to figure out how to finance the deal. Right. Because had I only had conventional lenders in my pocket, my conventional yeah. lender was like, dude, you can't buy a property. You just bought one. Like mm -hmm. your reserves are depleted. There's no yeah. way. Um, then I, you guys, I wanted to buy the fourplex next door to my other fourplex. I really like this idea of owning properties next door to each other. Mm -hmm. And so I went next door, chatted up the landlord and within a week was under contract on their property. Oh my gosh. And I had no idea how I was going to finance this. I'm like calling my mastermind, like you guys, what do I do? And they were like, you need to find an equity partner. So that's what I did. So I found a partner who's interested in real estate returns, but not interested in doing real estate. And mm -hmm. so that's what I'm looking for now are people that can get the loan in their name and I'll do everything. I'll find the deal. I will even negotiate the contract, which I did. I wrote the contract for that one. I find tenants. I manage the property. I do any renovations. And so that one's funded with a partner. Question. You said uh, one thing you were, when you were going for your multi-unit, you said you went to FHA and you had already owned multiple properties. Why did you make that decision? Yeah, the only way in that, at that time to do lower than 25% down was with right. an owner-occupied loan. Mm -hmm. And with a multifamily, FHA has the best rates. Yeah. yeah. So multifamily, FHA has the best rates. Plus, I mean, it's a substantially larger investment as well. So did you, yeah. Sarah, did you go and you, did you live in that fourplex to be able to do that? Yep. Yep. So I live, I live in one of the units and then I have one is traveling nurse two are long-term rentals. And then every once in a while, I'll put my unit on Airbnb in the summer months because travel. believe it or not, <laughs> Omaha is a destination hotspot in the summer. So, so Noted. your, um, the income you get from your STRs, let's talk about that for just a second. Are you attributing that to your income when you're financing your next property? I haven't yet. You so, haven't had to because you're cash flowing enough on the long-term and medium-term rentals. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It's really clever. Really <laughs> clever. Well, and so uh, you kind of answered that question. If someone has, let's say, two children, but they're currently renting an apartment, what's the difference if you were to get a, a, a multifamily, you know, one to four, and you've got three or four units, and you're still living in an apartment, except this time, everyone's paying you rent. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's all about delayed gratification. And yeah. so if you're looking to build wealth quickly, I personally use real estate investing as my vehicle. And I live in places that like sometimes I don't want to be living in an Omaha fourplex next to my tenant. But pff, you guys, I cash flowed over $3,000 in August. Yeah. Like, yeah. OK, yeah. I can handle yeah. it, guys. Focus on that long term. And like, why not? You know, I mean, risk it all for the biscuit. Right, Ian? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. <biscuits>. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, why? he wants that biscuit. Yeah. Okay. So, 
something. You got to dream big if you want those big returns. You absolutely I'm all do. I'm for it. I'm about you to remove my two toddlers into a, a fourplex in Omaha. And have them rent each room, you know, one of the <laughs> units. <laughs> Omaha, it is so, happening. So I have a question for you. When you, uh, if so this is an Austin-based podcast generally, right? And I know you yeah. know Austin fairly well. I if do. someone had, let's say, I'm going to say $400,000 or just wanted to kind of take your advice and they, they have kind of a modest budget, where would you suggest they consider looking to start this process if they wanted to stay here and do it here? In, in Austin. In Austin. Yeah. In this area. Where would you recommend? I mean, is it possible to I find a know, guys? I mean, have, when's the last time? It doesn't have to be Austin proper. Maybe I should I, have I clarified that. The, like, would you consider yeah. Gerald? Would you consider Buda or Kyle? I mean, I think, you gotta, I think you got to go even further than that. Yeah, I, think you go to I think you need to go to Monument, Texas. I, I've never even heard of that. So that sounds like a good spot. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You heard it here first, guys. Monument, okay. Texas. Where, in relation to Austin, where is that monument? I have no idea. <laughs> Are you okay? You know, right. I think I think you really have to do kind of a deep dive research, maybe do a driving tour of Texas and like really see because some of these communities. But like, guys, if you live in Austin, but if you live in Austin and you're going to buy like three hours away, why pay Texas property taxes? Why not buy something in Tennessee? I mean, it doesn't make sense. If if I move to Austin, which, by the way, guys, I might move to Austin, um, I'm going to rent. I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. Unless I can find a builder that will lend to me because I don't have a W-2 anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to rent somewhere that I want to live. And then I'm going to continue to dump all of my other income into cash flowing real estate. Hold mm -hmm. up. Take a step back. Mm -hmm. So you are currently, are you currently renting the place you're staying right this minute? No, because I'm in Omaha. So I'm, I'm house hacking a fourplex in Omaha. So you're in one of your, okay, okay, okay. I thought yeah. I thought you were renting. But are you really there? When she does Sarah? leave, she rents it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. <laughs> okay. So we've only got about three minutes left. Let's go around the table and say, um, let, let's share what bit of value that either you've learned or a lasting question you want to leave with people. Lasting bit of advice, anything well, like that. You know, this idea has popped into my head into the past when I was getting all those phone calls from those California investors. And I'm like, what if I did this on a smaller scale because my budget is smaller? And mm -hmm. I mean, hey, today I've heard from Sarah. I'm inspired. It's possible people are doing it. So I might call you, Sarah, for some personal coaching advice and and find some of your realtor and investor contacts too because that sounds so good so thank you for being with us today yeah thanks liberty and on that that's honestly what's been so fun so i will coach real estate agents and real estate investors and then they get a tap into my network of anyone i've contacted with any agents that i've closed business with and one thing i wanted to mention is like let's talk numbers really fast because i'm sure people are gonna be like okay this girl must be super rich she like bought all these properties but to recap this year i bought a fourplex using FHA financing, my down payment was $11,000. Okay. I'm calling you as soon as we get off of this. Because you soon cannot not live, do I, FHA I buy financing here in Austin. You just cannot yeah. do it the no. day. Yeah. Then I bought those two duplexes with zero of my own dollars down. Then I bought another fourplex and I used a partner. So I did zero dollars down. Well, it's so interesting because you always hear you always hear about that. And, you know, we're in the industry and we're sitting here thinking, OK, there there are probably zero dollar 
down opportunities. That's not here. Really? Come on. Not right now. <laughs> like, so uh, it, it's interesting. JJ, what do you got? My takeaway was overlooking when I was jumping straight into refinancing the owner occupant, you know, do that for whatever the loan is a year or something. And then you could go on to another owner occupant. People forget about the FHA on a multifamily. Like you could, that's a scalable real estate property. Therefore an investment so FHA that yeah, you, you, you save up. It's, it's a decent amount for what people think we're talking about percentages of hundreds of thousands it comes out to 10,000 you know 11 11,000 plus what what you're talking about so yeah don't don't overlook that especially if and you I can handle that lifestyle so like the this immediate gratification that's way way overrated come on yeah, you got thanks, to JJ. I did think game. of a strategy for the Texans so Love it. you could buy a fourplex or a duplex in Colleen or Temple that would cash flow. That's what I was going to say. When, and when, if you're an agent, which you guys all are, I would be tapping into that military network. They can use their VA loan to house hack a fourplex. Yeah. And I actually JG closed on a fourplex the, with an investor and she noticed uh, the military's paying high Airbnb like to put their, their soldiers into. So there's a market for that and traveling yeah. nurses and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, uh, I, I keep going back to this FHA thing as my kind of like takeaway because a lot of people are like, no, 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 I got to put 20% down so I don't have to worry about my extra mortgage insurance uh, payment and everything. But you, one, you're living in the property, but two, you're finding the numbers where it works, where they're still covering that difference by far, yeah, by far. And so how, how long, so let's say this property, let's take the one that you're in in Omaha right now. How long will it take for you to get that 20% equity shaved off so that you can then refinance when you decide to approximately? Um, yeah. A, a long enough time that I don't care because I'm cash flowing some, I mean, I'm cash flowing like 2000 a month. So wow. EMI is like $178 a month. Yeah. That's just a fee. Yeah. And how yeah. long are you going to need to live in Omaha? A year. You have to live a year before you can jump to the next, right? Yeah. Uh, do you I don't know the laws every in all the other states. Do you homestead all these properties? Like, um, when, like when you go to one, you homestead it, and then you go to another, and you home. Assuming that that's the case in every state. It's different. No, I think it's a mm -hmm. Texas thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, you're incredible. Thank you for coming on this podcast. Obviously, Liberty and JJ. I think we all were very excited to have her and uh, everyone else who was watching. We need some more comments. Ask Sarah your questions. Sarah, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they do so? Yeah, the best place is Instagram. So Sarah D. Weaver on Instagram. If they're not on Instagram, they can also find me at Sarah D. Weaver at gmail.com. I love it. Thank oh, you, thanks, Sarah. Dave. And uh, just for everybody on the podcast, HJ says, Sarah has an amazing investment mindset, delayed gratification, best strategy. And Sanjeev says, wow, great info. Thanks, everybody. Have yourselves a good one. See you next week. Get that cream. Get that cream. <laughs>